exclusive podcast from Impact 89 FM. WDBM East Lansing. Welcome to Impact Exposure. Exposure is 88.9 The Impact's one-hour forum discussing relevant issues affecting the MSU community. And now, tonight's Exposure. Hey, this is Melissa with your Exposure here at the Impact 88.9 FM. Um, uh, We've got a great show for you tonight. Um, We have um, Circle K coming in. We've also got Paul Sladesmith with the Boar's Head Theater. Um, as well as the MSU Theater Department. Um, and we'll first be talking with Steve from uh, the Adult Spelling Bee at Schuler's Bookstore um, to talk a little bit about that event and what's going on there. So if you have any questions, feel free to give us a call at 432-3893. So, Steve, um, actually, you're kind of calling in. Where are you calling in from? Uh, I'm calling in from Boston, which is where uh, the offices of the American Heritage Dictionary are. All right. And um, what affiliation do you have with the American Heritage Dictionary? I am a senior editor there. All right. Um, So I guess uh, what are you doing with uh, uh, a spelling bee, especially an adult spelling bee? Well, I should point out that by adult spelling bee, this is a spelling bee for adults, not a pornographic spelling bee. Ah, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You would not be the first person to have uh, made that connection. Um, And, you know, a lot of people are like, hey, that would be a fun idea. But no, this is a spelling bee for adults as opposed to one for kids. And um, in in it as a way of uh, promoting and publicizing the dictionary, I'm um, going around the Midwest uh, doing uh, spelling bees at various uh, book festivals and other events. Okay, so um, I guess like why an adult spelling bee? Um, I think because um, most spelling bees, at least the big ones, are for children or uh, students, and um, it's something that like trivia night at a bar. Uh, I think something that um, a lot of people would like. Are, you know that would be interesting or fun to try, and so um, because the uh, American Heritage Dictionary uh, is a uh, book for adults, we thought why not have a spelling bee for adults? Um, the ones that we've done so far have been very successful and a lot of fun. Okay, so how many have you had thus far? Um, in this uh, current go round, um, we've had uh, some in Cambridge, Massachusetts, uh, and I've also been to St. Louis so far. Okay, um, so why did you guys choose uh, like the East Lansing area? Well, our our publicist contacted a a large number of independent booksellers, and uh, Schuler's is one of them that happened to get back to us. And uh, so we plotted my trip uh, around the bookstores that wanted to uh, participate in this. Okay. And so, um, in fact, I'll be in both uh, Ann Arbor and uh, East Lansing, Okemos, this this week. Excellent. So when are you coming into town? Um, I will be uh, at uh, the Schuler's uh, in Okemos on Grand River. Uh, near, I guess it's actually in the Meridian Mall um, on October 12th. Uh, that starts at 7.30. And, um, you know, people who are interested in watching um, should definitely uh, come on down and uh, watch. Um, there's uh, going to be a lot of teachers there participating as well uh, as students from uh, Michigan State's English programs and MFA programs. And then uh, I'll be in uh, Ann Arbor at uh, Shaman Drum uh, on Friday night, October 13th. 
right now i have uh, a question because like i've i've heard of movies such as um there was a movie about well actually documenting a spelling bee that would be uh spellbound mm-hmm. so how do adult spelling bees differ from spelling bees for kids um in grades k through 12 well it's interesting i i mean the spelling bees i do are not the kind where we're giving out ten thousand dollar scholarships so the stakes are much lower and therefore um the children and the children's spelling bees i've done are far more laid back um, that said, even though the prize might just be a dictionary or some tickets or whatnot, um, some of the adults can get a little high strung. Like, you know, it, these are meant to be fun. And uh, it's, it's, sometimes you get the adults um, acting like some of the kids in the movie where they're just, you know, it, it's like they're mortgaging their house or something for this. Okay. We don't want to raise stress levels. You know, we're just there to have a good time. All right. And um, how did you guys come up with the idea? Like, what influenced you guys to do the spelling bee? Um, we've done them in the past at um, book associations like the ABA meeting, uh, the American Book Association, or the, the BEA, uh, the, uh, a, a Boston area thing. They're just fun, um, and they're just yet another, another way to, uh, again, promote the dictionary. So the uh, our publicists are like, let's do this. And as... The lexicographers were happy to oblige. What's a lexicographer? Oh, it's a person who edits or writes a dictionary. Okay. So, um, well, it doesn't sound like your typical job. How does one get involved in that? Well, uh, one uh, one takes a very circuitous route. Uh, mine, oddly enough, started at East Lansing, where I was a student at Michigan State, uh, in theater, actually. And I dropped out and moved to Chicago and did various odd jobs for a year and ended up getting my bachelor's at Northwestern in linguistics, where one of my professors did this for a living, and uh, started freelancing me work, and I started working at it more and more, and then I went to graduate school, um, and uh, ended up getting a job here about 10 years ago. Okay, interesting. Um, So going back to the spelling bee, um, how does a a, a student or person in the area um, get involved or get registered for it? Um, I would uh, check out uh, their website, schulerbooks.com. Um, there is, uh, on the Okemos part, there's a link that discusses it, and they can uh, contact uh, uh, the, the, the contact information that's given on the website, or they can, um, you know, go to the uh, event itself. Okay. So what are some of, like, the restrictions or uh, characteristics or requirements before um, for people in order to uh, register? I'm... Uh, I'm with this particular one, I am not sure because uh, the logistics are being handled by Schulers. I am just the person moderating the B. Okay. So I don't have that information. I'm sorry. So, well, I don't know if you can actually answer this because I'm wondering if this might be a little bit of cheating, but what are some of the, the words that people have to spell in an adult spelling bee? Um, we start out with fairly medium-sized words, and then we, uh, if I'm not knocking out people quick enough, we eventually graduate to some very intense words that most people have probably never even heard in their life, um, unless they were, like, in spelling bees as a kid and were, like, at the national levels and, you know, memorizing word lists and stuff. I will say for um, one of the books that we're promoting is 100 Words to Make You Sound Smart, which is uh, we have uh, the editors here have a series of 100 words books, including 100 words every high school graduate should know. Um, Some of these words in these books will be in the spelling bee. Um, So if you went out and purchased a book, you might have a leg up in getting a very small number of the words in the bee, but there you go. Um, But yes, uh, by the time the evening ends, there will be plenty of words that no one has ever heard of, but are legitimate words in English.
Okay. So, um, like, I guess what's the sort of draw? Um, do you get a lot of spectators? Um, you do. We do. Uh, though, I, yeah, you do get a lot of spectators. I think people like watching people um, be under pressure. Um, it's always, you know, exciting to just see people, like, grimace as they're trying to figure out uh, what's going on. It's almost like karaoke, but it's spelling. I mean, you know, it's, it's fun to watch. Right. And, and what kind of people do you tend to draw in with spelling bees? Well, it depends on the crowd. Um, the one in St. Louis was at a book festival, and the crowd, and the crowd was, um, you know, uh, you know, families who had come to the book festival. Um, the one I'll be doing in Milwaukee tomorrow is actually at a bar, so I would imagine there will be people who are drinking and having fun. In fact, uh, the one we did at Harvard, uh, the adult one was. Uh, done as a fundraiser for an independent theater there, and there was a uh, cash bar, you know, for, for the, whose proceeds went to the uh, theater. And so there were a couple of uh, contestants who were uh, sort of uh, hammered <laughs> while they played. <laughs> so drunken spelling bees. Yeah. Yes, uh, and it was interesting. Uh, there was this one guy who was the most visibly drunk person uh, who was announcing the fact that he was drunk. Was uh, He managed to spell onomatopoeia correctly. Really? Yes, I was very very impressed. Mm, well, um, actually, like, uh, at a couple of um, the past spelling bees that you've been to, I guess, like, what is the most, um, I guess, like, crazy thing besides the, the drunken onomatopoeia? Um, what are some of, like, the, the craziest things that you've seen at these spelling bees? That would be the crazy... I mean, usually it's just nervous people hoping not to make a fool out of themselves or, um, you know, the kids, uh, you know, it's not crazy, but like for the children's ones that I've done, they, they, you know, they, they, they're trying so hard and they look so eager and, you know, when they lose, it's really, especially when it's down to the last two, the runner up, you always feel kind of bad for, um, so most of it's, you know, pretty, well, I laid back's not the right word because the pressure's up, but, you know, again, the stakes, they're winning a dictionary and some other, books from our uh, publishing company as opposed to a $10,000 scholarship that the National Spelling Bees give out. So the stakes are a lot lower, so uh, the, the emotion is generally a little less intense. Okay, so probably a little bit more humor. and, and Oh, yeah, there's plenty of humor. I mean, I'm the one moderating the bee, and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very good with an audience, and uh, I have a lot of fun, and it's, I think a good time is had by all. Oh, that's excellent. So what do you do to, well, because, like, when you think spelling bee, because, like, just thinking about, um, like, little clips of Spellbound, as well as, like, ESPN having spelling bees, they seem so intense and quiet. How do you loosen up the audience? Well, it's, it, it isn't as quiet as all that, at least not in these. I loosen up the audience, you know, with a sense of humor. Um, I've got a background in theater, and I know how to work a crowd, so I'm usually able to make comments to, you know, get people engaged and uh, have a good time. It's certainly not boring. Um, you know, and every so often when uh, a contestant wants to hear a word used in context, you know, I'll have to contrive an example sentence and, you know, for them, I try to make them fun and engaging. And, uh, there's, and there's banner, you know, not that I'm Alex Trebek or anything, but, you know, I'll banner with some of the contestants and it's, it's fun. So there's kind of an element of improv. Oh, definitely. Um, and I have a background in improv. Um, I, I, I teach improv at Improv Boston here in Boston and uh, direct an improv troupe, and uh, I've you know, performed. So I, I've, I've, I have a, uh, I can be, uh, I, I know how to, uh, 
I know how to read an audience and work with an audience to give them what they want. And that's, you know, it makes it engaging for the people who go to watch. Okay, because like, yeah, and that was kind of um, something that I was going to comment on, on, is it It sounds like it's not just fun for the contestants. Oh, I think it's almost more fun for the um, uh, the audience, especially if the contestants have friends and family. Uh, there's a ton of applause, hooting, hollering. Um, it, it's, it's almost like a sporting event. I mean, it's a sporting event for people who can't play sports. And there's, you know, someone spells a hard word right, and there's this burst of spontaneous applause when I say that they've spelled it correctly. Um, there's uh, heartfelt awes when people get knocked out. Um, yeah, the audience is very much into it. In, in, in that way, there, there is a similarity to, to karaoke. Oh, very cool. Yeah. So, well, it doesn't sound like it's your, well, obviously your your typical standard no. uh, spelling bee. Um, though I, I kind of got a little bit of information about you, and I, t- is this true that you have a, a particular tattoo? Oh, yes. Uh, on my back, I have a tattoo of a phonetic vowel chart. Oh, so when it comes down to it, you must really love your words. I'm, yeah, I'm kind of a geek in that regard, but yeah. Yes. So tell us the story about that one. Like, how did you get this tattoo? Um, I had, I was, I was like, I wanted to get a tattoo. Why does, you know, uh, and I'm like most people, I wanted the tattoo to be personal, something that spoke to about what I did. And um, it just seemed like a logical choice. So I got, it's certainly uh, unique. Uh, I don't think there's anyone else with such a one. But, um, you know, it speaks to what I do, what my job is. And it's, it's simple, it's geometric, and it involves uh, characters, and so that'd be cool. I, if I were ever to get another one, I would like you know have an alphabet done down my spine in a really cool font or something, but that would be pretty involved. Yeah, and probably a little bit painful. And probably a little bit painful. Painful. So, um, is like, is this your only tattoo? It is my only tattoo. Yes. So, uh, I guess, um, what were some of your your apprehensions um, going in, or like, how are you feeling when uh, I got the tattoo? Yeah. Oh, none at all. Um, I, uh, actually, because it's simple geometrics and there's not a lot of fill-in, it's a lot of lines and, and just some letters, it's not like, you know, a heavy design where they're pounding away with you at the needle. I mean, when they were, when they were making the straight lines, I actually kind of liked how it felt, you know, not in a kinky way, but it was, a, <laughs> it was, it's, it was quick enough that it, it's, it was an interesting sensation. So, I mean, it was less painful than going to the dentist, I think. Okay. Well, okay. Because, like, I, I know a couple of people who have tattoos, and, like, I've always been afraid yeah. of needles. So. Well, I mean, you know, if you're getting them on your ankle or your elbow, they're going to hurt. Um, and, again, it, it's not like I have giant sections of block color, which I'm sure would feel far different than, you know, simple lines. All right. So, um, I guess, like, uh, when it comes, well, going back to the spelling bee, I'm trying to get away from the tattoo. Yeah, no problem. Um what are what are some of the things that you're looking forward to about coming to Okemos or the East Lansing area? Well, um, it's I, I mean I'm from Michigan originally. I grew up in Flint. Um, I like you know I went to school in East Lansing for two years. Uh, I've you know certainly been to Ann Arbor. Um, it's you know, you know I haven't been to East Lansing in probably or five or ten years, and every time I go, I'm you know just amazed at how much the campus has expanded and uh, just how different everything is. I mean the old part's still the same, but. Uh, you know, I went there in the mid '80s, uh, and it was it was a different it was really a different uh, time. I, I, even the radio station at the time was just an AM thing up at the top of Fairchild, where not even all the dorms could properly get a signal. It was like a 10 watt signal or something. So it's nice to go back and see how things have changed. Okay, cool. And like when it comes to um, particular spelling bees, what are like what are you looking forward to about the spelling bee? 
Um, just, it's, uh, it, it, it's, uh, it's, uh, I look forward to them all because I, you know, I view each of them as a performance and opportunity to entertain, and uh, I hope that it's entertaining. Well, excellent. Um, and once again, uh, do you want to just maybe drop the Schuler Bookstore yeah. website? Uh, their website is uh, SchulerBooks.com, S-C-H-U-L-E-R-B-O-O-K-S.com. I looked at it just before I went on the air. It's very simple to find uh, this event. It's at the Okemos store. Um, and uh, it's uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. And the winner is going to win a brand-new American Heritage Dictionary. Mm-hmm. And, uh, again, a good time should be had by all. Excellent. Um, and that's going to be October 12th at 7.30. That is correct. At the, at the um, Schuler Books in uh, uh, 19, 1982 Grand River Okemos, which I believe is, it's either in or adjacent to the Meridian Mall. Oh, it's actually in the Meridian Mall. It actually is in the Meridian Mall. Yep. Okay. All right, a but... Place I have not been to in about 22 years. Oh, it's got to... It must have changed. I'm yeah. sure it has. Is Frandor still uh, in uh, Lansing there? Oh, of course. Of course. Oh, yeah. Like, Frandor, it's pretty much like, you know, Frandor or Meridian Mall as far as uh, shopping goes. So Frandor is pretty good for food and videos. Cool. Yep. Um, but anyways, I want to thank you so much, Steve, for coming on to the show today. Well, thank you for having me on. It was uh, a lot of fun, and uh, I uh, hope your listeners enjoyed it. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you. Coming up next on Your Exposure, we've got the MSU Theater Department to talk a little bit about Romeo and Juliet, which they'll be performing. Um, coming up uh, after this break here on your Impact 88.9 FM. You're listening to Exposure on 88.9 The Impact. Attention shoppers, if anyone is missing a rather plump set of love handles, please come to the customer service counter and claim them. The ample love handles were lost in the produce department where their former owner had purchased fruits and veggies to munch on during the big game. Thank you and have a good day. Small step number 81, snack on fruits and veggies. It's just one of the many small steps you can take to get healthy. Learn more at www.smallstep.gov. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, Primetime. where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Saturday nights from 8 p.m. until 2 a.m., tune into the cultural vibe to hear the best in both local and national hip-hop, plus live mixing on the ones and twos. Only on Impact Primetime. You're listening to Exposure on 88.9, The Impact. Phone lines are open at 432-3893. And now, back to Exposure. That to me, which our Outlook are gone. Just Oh, hey, you're back here with your exposure here on the Impact 88.9 FM. This is Melissa bringing you the MSU Theater Department for the next 15 to 20 minutes. Um, we also have Romeo and Juliet in here, uh, hopefully to maybe give us a little taste of their performance, as well as Daniel Roth, who's kind of helping like promote it. So uh, if you have any questions for the, the folks from the MSU Theater Department, feel free to give us a call at 432-3893. So how are you guys doing tonight? I'm doing well, thanks. No problem. So, I understand that you guys are probably not named Romeo and Juliet, so um, do you guys just want to introduce yourselves? Yeah, that's fine. Uh, my name is Tim Perry. I'm a senior theater major, um, and I play Romeo. And I'm Blair Wojcik. I'm a junior theater major, and I play Juliet. All right, and Daniel? I'm Daniel Roth. I'm a grad student, and my assistantship is to be in charge of the publicity for the theater department. 
Well, excellent. So it's a good, you know, good start to come here on the impact. So. I, hope, I hope so. We're trying to get more involved. All right. So um, how did you guys get involved with uh, this particular production? Um, oh, I don't know. We found out that our season last spring, I think, is when we first found out about it. And um, I had planned on auditioning. We hold auditions in the fall. Um, and this season we did something new, which was a departmental audition where you audition for all the shows in the fall at the same time. And you're only allowed to be cast in one. So that was something that we um, changed up. But, yeah, I had been preparing since June, I think, for my audition. I, you can feel that one. Yeah, um, I uh, well, I had done a a play over the summer, so I used that as my audition piece a piece from that as my audition piece um so yeah about the same time i suppose yeah and then we had callbacks also so it was like a week yeah. process to where we auditioned we um prepared a monologue a selection just anything from any piece of literature and we went in there performed it and then decide depending on which you were called back for we had a whole week where it was like one night for this show one night for this show one night for this show and then at the end of the week the culmination was the posting of all the cast lists and right because the rehearsal process for all the shows in the fall season uh overlap so that's why each person cast can only do one show realistically okay so um have you guys done shakespeare before Yes, mm-hmm. this is my fourth main stage Shakespeare production at Michigan State, and then I did a little before I came here in high school. Yeah, so, uh, this is my second main stage at State, and I did a show in high school as well. All right, what other Shakespeare productions have you guys done? Uh, my first was, well, my first at Michigan State was Macbeth, and I played murderer number one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and that was a lot of fun, except I was wearing this terrible, like, leather bodysuit thing on stage, and it was awfully hot but yeah it was a lot of fun um and then i was in 12th night my sophomore year and i was sebastian and then much ado about nothing last spring and i played balthazar and then this is my fourth romeo moving on up the ladder (laughs) i just did um much ado last year and i was uh ursula too um so i guess like as far as like you know, it seems you've, you've done a couple histories and, and comedies. Um, what do you like to do when it comes to Shakespeare? Um, I think that I actually prefer to do the tragedies, which is weird, because if you know anything about me, it's, it's kind of depressing. Yeah, it is. It really is depressing. But I think that, and especially with this production, it's given me the opportunity to find the truth in the, <clears throat> excuse me, in the classical text. It's really hard, and it's really rewarding as well, because so many people fall into the trap of playing like, oh, I'm very sad at this moment, or this is really intense because it's about death and about suicide. But it's cool to find that these people are actually, they have human qualities, and it's fun to bring those and find them and like bring them to life in your performance. So that's why I enjoy doing the tragedies because i think they're a little more challenging that's that's one really great thing about this performance that i noticed was that these two uh great actors as well uh, as everybody else (laughs) um get the point of the speeches across very well uh the director frank rutledge did a very good job i think of coaching you towards uh really uh inhabiting the speeches and the language and the text um which can be very difficult for younger actors as yourselves um but I was not lost once during the production, and people I've talked to have felt the same, that uh, you really make it personal, and that's sometimes difficult to do with Shakespeare, and I think we're very fortunate to have on-campus actors that can uh, take the text and make it so personal. 
you mentioned like the difficulty with the language because um, I know when you know people think about Shakespeare, they think about mm. that English class in high school where they had right. to read yeah. some Shakespeare <laughs> novel or Shakespeare play, and um, you know it's getting over the language and and how dated the material comes off as. Why do you think that we still perform Shakespeare? Like, why do you think it's still such a draw? Um, well, for me personally, I um, I had never really had uh, an opinion one way or the other about Shakespeare. I was sort of on the fence about what I thought about what I thought about his plays and whether I was interested in them. And I never really understood the language. And this summer, actually, last year being in uh, Much Ado, and then this summer, I was exposed to a lot of different Shakespeare plays with friends of mine being in them and seeing them repeatedly. And I really uh, sort of grew this fondness for it and this desire to do it because I, I've I've seen how well it can be done and how awesome it is when it's done well. And I think one of the reasons why Shakespeare texts are still done and, and understood now is because a lot of the themes, I mean, the idea, even though Romeo and Juliet seems so drastic with two young people falling in love and committing suicide over each other, I mean, the... The basic idea of of love and love, overcom- love. yeah, uh, overcoming everything and fighting for it so to death is so relevant to us. And the language is just so beautiful and poetic and has so many meanings. I mean, Shakespeare's words have so many meanings to them and just sort of hidden messages. And I mean, just this beautiful poetic dialogue to something to like uh, issues that we can still sort of parallel to today's troubles i think is really uh something great to see in the theater but a lot of people say that shakespeare is an expert on so many different things that even now um different forms of communication space travel he talks a lot about and yeah. what the uh, astronomy a lot of astronomy a lot about astronomy different uh people's takes on religion and just being able to see different points of view is uh was kind of a, an amazing thing for one person to be able to think like so many different people so you get such a wide variety of well-thought-out, well-spoken people in one room by seeing a Shakespeare play. And that's, you know, something you don't really get all the time, unfortunately, nowadays. Mm. Now, um, Blair and uh, Tim, I have a question for you. Um, Because, like, Shakespeare is something that, you know, uh, there's so many movies out there, and there are so many plays that are being done. Like, what have you guys done to approach your role? Um, either maybe to distinguish yourselves, yeah. or like, how do you how do you make this fresh? Yeah, like, no, totally. That was um, like I had said. I was ex- I've been exposed to this play and a lot more Shakespeare works since I was like really young, and so um, having that being my only exposure is like seeing it and seeing other people perform it because I didn't start reading it until end of high school, like beginning of college is when I really started like reading it and understanding it because before that I just kind of overlooked everything. It was really challenging for me because I went into this with this really, really formed idea of this is who Romeo is. This is the kind of guy that he is. This is what he thinks of that. This is how he responds to meeting this beautiful girl that he's never seen before. Woman, excuse me. Be- meeting this beautiful woman that he's never met before and just falling head over heels in love with her. And I went into rehearsal prepared to do this and my director said, no. That's not what it is. You're completely misreading this. And so I was really, really taken aback, and I had to go back and find all of these new ways to play everything that I was so confident in my choices for. So that's helped me keep it fresh, is making myself aware that I'm not going back and doing the stuff that I know is wrong and trying to find new ways to do it. Uh, Well, for me, (laughs) my biggest problem was 
Uh, Juliet in the play is is uh, mentioned as being fourteen, and in the Leonardo DiCaprio movie, I mean, is played by Claire Danes. A very Who's like seventeen. Yeah, um, looks fourteen. I I have a deep voice. I don't sound like I'm fourteen. I don't look like I'm fourteen. Um, if I were to be cast as a type, I would probably be cast as a nurse, just because I look older, I sound older, and so it was a big challenge for me to to play this young character and, and I agreed with the director that she we're I'm playing her a little bit older than 14 because realistically I mean it would be it would be falser if I if I attempted to make right. her 14 but I don't think we specify that you're 14 right right that's that, that part is actually cut from the show known but um just sort of staying true to the character and finding the youthfulness about Julia but also embracing the assertive smart, uh, devoted, intelligent, and eloquent woman that she is that I think a lot of times gets overlooked and she just sort of becomes this naive, brooding little girl when, you know, I wanted to still stay true to the character but give her more depth and while a lot of people may not expect that or not want to see that or may want to see the typical Juliet... You know, I I was excited to breathe new life into a character that is that can be so predictable. Yeah, and I think that also helped me. Like like you were asking, how do you keep it fresh? Her interpretation of it is so different from the interpretations that I had come into the process with. That that is another reason that it helps me be really fresh with it because I'm seeing her make all these new choices and reacting and responding honestly to them and really falling in love with her Juliet as opposed to the Juliet that I had created in my mind. So. Excellent. So, um, well, I guess going into this, did you guys have a favorite scene or something that you were excited about doing um, when it came to this particular Shakespeare play? I, yeah, I think I have a lot of favorite things. To pinpoint, the balcony scene has been the most challenging and the most rewarding scene to work on because it was, that's where my, the where I had the most difficulty with it because coming into it, that's where it's really easy to fall into like, playing the love that he feels for her and playing like oh flirty types but finding the truth to it like he's really falling in love with her like that's the turning point of this character where he realizes that it's not just going to be a one night stand or it's not going to be like another one of his girls that he's like loving and then using excuse the term but just getting over really quickly this is the one that sticks and so for her to start talking about marriage in there and it starts to really really set in that this is real and she feels the same thing it's it's really rewarding to try. I think when it works, it works really well. And so that's my favorite part to do every night. Yeah, I agree. I really like, um, in, in this version of Romeo and Juliet as well, our director uh, cut most of it. <laughs> so really the play only runs about 80 minutes, no yeah. intermission, when normally it would run probably at least at two least hours. At least two and a half. At least 120. Yeah, yeah. so, um, I mean, he made drastic, drastic cuts and really centered the play around the uh, the story, story of the t- of the two lovers and their, their journey and where it comes and really just sort of left the meat of the story. And I really like the balcony scene because besides the dance, it's their first main interaction and you really just see the chemistry... Well, if it's done well, (laughs) you see the chemistry and the dynamic and just the instant attraction and also the, uh, you know, fighting for what they want, but also knowing the odds that are stacked against them. Yeah. And I think it's just really 
a touching scene. I like it a lot. That's my favorite too. Alright. Um, did you guys want to like maybe do a little little taste? Oh, no? well, I we had talked about it and we uh-huh. were like it'd be kind of odd. I feel I don't know because we're know. we like. It's tough. It's tough to do it for, like, a radio. radio. We don't have sounds and things. All right. Um, I won't beg. It's okay. No, I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's fine. Um, but you mentioned um, how how edited this version is. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, what are some of the things that were left out? Tybalt. Uh, basically, Tybalt's character has been cut down very, very small, which is it's interesting, I think, the most, because... It's still like <laughs> he's still so present to the story because it is, is still it there, is his death but... that kind of spurs everything. I mean, Mercutio is the first one, obviously, but Mercutio's him Tybalt killing Mercutio is what drives Romeo to murder Tybalt, which really just starts them on this downward spiral to both of their demise. Yeah. And like, the prologues are cut. The um, initial scenes in the street with the I bite my thumb at you, sir, things mm-hmm. like that. I mean, re- really, the play is centered around Romeo and Juliet and their interactions with the people around them and, uh, and how those interactions help to shape their journey and the path their that they go along uh, till their demise. It's also nice when we talk about seeing so many different productions of Romeo and Juliet to see something that is a little bit different, that mm-hmm. you really get to focus on what um, the auteur, you know, Frank Rutledge has been doing this for 40, 50 years. So he he's a very talented director and knew what he was going for. And you could see it that things are really pushed to make you emote towards love and towards this feeling of romance. And I think it's a good date play in that way, I guess, too. Definitely. And I think one of the, the most exciting things about this show is that Romeo and Juliet, with all of the versions, with the movie, with movies... Yeah. It's so easy to go in expecting something. Uh, you know, whether you really want that or not is irrelevant. But what I love about this show is from the very first instant, literally the very first instant the show starts, you are completely taken, taken back. aback. Yeah. And, and you're really in for a, a wild ride. I mean, you, the exciting thing is for such a for a show that everyone knows... I think it's a great thing to have them really not know what's coming, not yeah. know what to expect, not totally. know mm-hmm. what's yeah. going to happen because so many things are different than what you would expect. You know, characters are may seem different to you. The plot is so condensed. There are things added to it to make it, you know, whatever. And yeah. I think that's really exciting that people can walk out going, that was not what I expected. Yeah. And, you know, whether they love it or hate it, at least they can say... It was I different. saw I saw a show, you know? Exactly. So um, when is the performance going to be? Uh, well, we opened last Thursday, and so far we've done five performances. Um, we are in the process of doing a couple student matinees this week, which we run every morning this week, 9.45 a.m. For high schools and things. <laughs> yeah, for high schools, and that's quite early. <laughs> um, and then we have four more performances this weekend, starting on Thursday, um, those, that performance is at 7.30 p.m. And Friday night, it's at 8, along with Saturday at 8. And then Sunday, there's a matinee at 2 p.m. And this is in the Paysant Theater in the Wharton Center. All right. And how can people find out about ticket information? Um, all, the theater department website, which is www.theater.msu.edu, has the most information, not only about Romeo and Juliet, but about all things that are going on in the theater department. But we're also on the Wharton Center website, which is 
1-800 Wharton as oh, well. Oh, 1-800 Wharton. Actual t- actual tickets need to be purchased at the Through Wharton, Center. which are there are links on the yeah. MSU Theater Department website. I think you can well. go to whartoncenter.com as well. Totally. Excellent. All right. Well, I want to thank you guys so much for coming on. Yeah, thank um, you. How well you mentioned that you already had a couple of shows. Um how mm-hmm. have you been received thus far by your audiences? Um, well, I think a lot of it goes back to what Blair was saying about how this is such a different production, and so far I've heard a lot of good things about it, but I've also heard people coming in saying it's not, like, Juliet threw them off because it's not what they had expected, and the production's not what they had expected, and so it's it's been overall well-received, I think. We just ask that people come in with an open mind, not a preconceived, like, notion of this is what the show has to be, mm-hmm. because... Who who intends what theater is supposed to be aside from the director and the people performing it? All right. Well, thank you both. And I, yeah, you know, thank you. I think it's appropriate for me to say break a leg. Oh, oh thanks. thanks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Any time. <laughs> so, if people are interested in finding out more information about um, Romeo and Juliet and other productions that are coming up through the MSU Theater Department, um, you can check out their website at www.theater.msu.edu. And ticket information is available on the Wharton Center website as well as at 1-800-WHARTON. So, yep. All right. Well, thank you. Thanks. Thank all thank three you of so you much. for coming on. Yeah, thank Thanks. you. All right. Um, up next, we've got Paul Slade-Smith with the Boar's Head Theater here on your Impact 88.9 FM. You're listening to Exposure on 88.9 The Impact. Smoking helpline. Yes, I need to start smoking right away. Excuse me? I need to start smoking. Well, actually, it's the Stop Smoking Helpline. The people in the apartment next to mine smoke three packs a day, and it drives me crazy. So I'm thinking four packs will do it. I think you want mysmokefreeapartment.org. It gives you the information you need to work toward a smoke-free apartment building. A smoke-free building? Without all that smoking? Uh, yeah, that's right. Make your apartment smoke-free without making a stink. Mysmokefreeapartment.org. When you get up in the morning and turn on the radio, you don't want to hear those other guys talking on your way to work, do you? You don't want to hear talking. You want to hear music. So here at The Impact, we are making you a promise. We're calling it the More Music Morning's 89-second play. We, The Impact, pledge that every weekday morning from 8 to 10 a.m., we will shut up and play music. We pledge that we won't talk for more than 89 seconds at a time, meaning more music all morning long. We pledge that every caller who requests a song between 8 and 10 a.m., Monday through Friday, will be entered to win a great Impact prize. And we pledge that in return for your listening to us, we will listen to you and play more music that you want to hear. So tune into The Impact for more music mornings. Let us know what to play, and maybe you could win some cool stuff. Only here on 88.9 The Impact. You're listening to Exposure on 88.9 The Impact. Phone lines are open at 432-3893. And now, back to Exposure. Hi, you're back here with your exposure here on the Impact 88.9 FM. Um, 
We'll be talking with Paul Slade-Smith in a moment about his production, Unnecessary Farce at the Boar's Head Theater. But first, um, the Muslim Students Association of MSU will be holding its fifth annual Fastathon this week. To date, approximately 750 students have collectively gone hungry for a total of three days to raise money to feed the hungry. Many a stomach has made a small sacrifice to help those in need. This 2006 Ramadan Fastathon allows students, faculty, and others who are willing to participate to go hungry so someone else in Lansing doesn't have to. MSA will donate $1 to the Greater Lansing Food Bank for every person that fasts or pledges to fast during the fastathon. Tables will be set up around campus where participants can pledge to fast and learn about the act of fasting and the religion of Islam. Pledges will be taken between 10 a.m. and 2 p.m. in the Wells Hall Courtyard on Monday, in the International Center on Tuesday, and on Thursday, October 12th, beginning at dawn and ending at sunset. Participants will break their fasts together in Holmes Hall, rooms C-106 and C-104 over some delicious food while sharing their experiences and enjoying a 45-minute film titled American Ramadan. Muslim Students Association is a registered student organization and was the recipient of the 2005-2006 Student Organization Achievement Award and the 2005-2006 Campus Impact Award. Um, if, you want, if you need any more information about the Ramadan Fastathon, Contact Rahim Hanifa at 313-930-3454. All right, and going back to Paul Slade-Smith, who's in the studio to talk about his production of Unnecessary Farce, which is coming up at the Boar's Head Theater. So if you have any questions, feel free to give us a call at 432-3893. So, Paul, how are you doing tonight? I'm I'm doing great, thanks. We're going going from talking about a a very Uh, serious mm -hmm. subject, a fast... (laughs) Well, to, to my comedy. Well, it's actually, a nice segue. Because, you know, um, Ramadan happens every year, so the the fast kind of happens, yes. you know, <laughs> with or without unnecessary farce. That's right. That's right. So, unnecessary farce, um, what, where'd, you guys, where'd you get the name from? Uh, my wife came up with the title, actually. It's a, it's a, it's a farce uh, about uh, cops. And uh, it's sort of a pun on the phrase unnecessary force, which I've just given away a joke. There's one joke we won't get now in the show. No one will laugh at that now that I've given away that joke. Oh, oh, don't feel bad about it. So um, I take it this is a comedy. It's a comedy. Yeah, it's a comedy about uh, a couple of cops who are sent to a motel room. Uh, There's a meeting happening between a mayor and his accountant. Uh, and it's suspected that the mayor is embezzling funds from the town accounts. So the mayor is uh, meeting in one motel room, and these two cops are in the other motel room to videotape the meeting. Uh, but they're they they get in over their heads. How did they get in over their heads today? Or or can I not ask that? No, you can ask that. Do I have an answer? <laughs> it's uh, well, they they basically don't know what they're in for. They they it's a bigger operation than they think. There are two rookie cops, and they think just their simple task is we'll just stay in this one motel room, and we'll videotape the meeting, and that'll be the end of it, and then we get to go home. But uh, people arrive with guns. So, you know, the plot kind of, like, when you say it like that, doesn't sound too much like a comedy. Which I think, that's actually, that's the idea of farce, is that um, is that it's to the characters in it, it's a very serious situation. It's a very life-and-death serious situation. Uh, but the complications that happen are comic so the audience gets to laugh while you know these while these characters remain you know in dire situations 
usually with their pants around their ankles. That's the that's what adds to comedy. It's the lack of clothing. So, Everything I've just mentioned minus clothing equals oh, farce. So, um, kind of uh, maybe not for the little ones. Yeah, I think high school age and okay. above. Perfect for college age. I don't know if you know any college age <laughs> students. Oh, not at all. It's not like we're a college radio station, right? No, oh, right. No. Um, so how did you, I guess, get in, involved with this? Uh, I, uh, I wrote the play. Did I say that? Well, I'm, I'm guessing cause you, oh, you popped up the unnecessary the, far sign. Yeah. And that's a visual. It, it says it's by you. It is by me. Okay. Um, yeah, I wrote the play. Um, uh, I'm an actor most of the time, but, um, uh, I wrote this play and, um, I sent it to Christine Thatcher, who's the artistic director of the Boar's Head Theater. And, uh, she called me up and she said, I love your play and I want to put it in next season. And I was thrilled. Um, uh, and uh, it's we just started rehearsals last Tuesday. Start performances October 25th. So we're creating it. This is the very first production. Never been produced before. Um, and uh, rewrites are happening during rehearsals and a lot of very funny stuff involving guns and beds is happening in so- rehearsals. So you're you're an actor though. I am. Yeah. Um have you done like a lot of writing before this? I haven't. No, I actually wrote I wrote one play a while ago, but mostly I've uh I've been living the life of an actor. I've actually had a pretty successful career. Um I'm right now in the touring company of Wicked uh the musical which you've heard of. Oh no, not at all. Not at all. I don't know if you know any college age students. <laughs> it's very popular with college age students. I have a friend, whenever I'm in her car, we have to play the song Popular. Yes. So uh I, I've almost got it down by heart just from <laughs> listening in her car. So Yeah, I've been touring the country with that for the last year and a half. Um what did you do in Wicked? I play Alphabet's father. Oh, okay. All right, so the the minister. Exactly. Excellent. Although they turn him into a governor in the stage version. Oh, okay, because like I've I've actually read the book. The so. book, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's got a much bigger role in the book, I'll be honest with you. Oh. <laughs> so I had time on my hands, so I wrote a play. Excellent. That's basically how it works. <laughs> um, well, because I was going to ask you, like, where did your influence come from for this play? Uh, uh, basically, I, uh, I love acting, and I particularly love acting in comedies, and uh, I particularly love acting in farces. Um, the, they're so fun for an audience, so fun for a cast. And they're very popular for theaters to do, and uh, and I thought I would, I thought I'd give it a try. You know, I sort of outlined something on a piece of paper, and I said, mm, "I'll try. I'll write a couple scenes." And once I had a couple scenes, I wrote an act. Once I wrote an act, I wrote another act, and and then I had a play. And uh, and I've uh, I've been very happy that that where we've done readings and had people see it. And sending it to here to the theater, everyone at the theater has has encouraged me that that you know that it works. <laughs> and so far in, in rehearsal, it's going very well. Excellent, because like my sense of humor isn't always like received well by everybody. So, and that was what I, I was going to ask you is that you know I hear that comedy is the the hardest form of theater, just because in, things that are funny to one person aren't funny to everybody right. else. Yeah. So I guess. Um, as you're approaching approaching opening night, um, what are the things about this particular farce that you think have an opportunity to appeal to the entire audience? Well, I, th- I think we find that um, as we go, you know, we see what gets uh, response. Um, I guess I guess I had to have faith when I started writing this that my that I had the right sense of humor for this kind of show, 
um, that my, you know, the, the lines I intended would be funny would be funny, that the business I intended to be funny would be funny. Um, and then the proof was to, you know, to put it in front of people. I mean, the wonderful thing for, for me, uh, before touring in Wicked, which I've been doing, like I say, for a year and a half, I was touring with Phantom of the Opera, uh, another, uh, you know, show going around to different towns. And we, uh, did a couple of readings with the Phantom of the Opera cast while we were touring around. And every time we would do a reading with different groups of people in front of us, we always got great reaction. And it was just, you know, I, I thought, oh, I think I'm onto something here. And it's, it's really, it's, it's just delightful to put it in front of a group of people in this town, a group of people in this town. We did a reading at the Victory Gardens Theater in Chicago, completely new, new group of people. Uh, and then we sat down to do the read-through, you know, with the uh, production staff sitting around, the actors. And when the same lines reliably, you know, get great laughs, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's just a lot of fun. So um, what's it been like for you to switch from being center stage or on stage um, to actually just writing what people who who are on stage say it's it's actually really similar you know because you it's it's like instead of playing one role you play all the roles you know you set out in one scene and you you imagine okay i've got this this cop character and he's in love with this female accountant and she's kind of nerdy and you you're playing both roles simultaneously and 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 what would this person say what would this person say and uh and i write it down and then i read it back to myself and then i type it out but i'm like acting all the roles you know in you know whatever room I'm in, um, so it's it's actually I think that being an actor is a perfect segue into being a writer because uh, especially if you've done a lot of comedy because it, theater is so much about learning by doing I find and um, uh, and I've I've just been blessed to do a lot of theater to do a lot of comedy and to learn a lot uh, about what makes a line funny, what makes a setup to a joke funny. And to put that into practice in these different characters' mouths and come up with, you know, I hope what, what I hope are some some funny characters. So, um, what's it been like working with uh, the Boar's Head um, cast and um, their staff? Yeah, it's just a blast. It's just a blast from the first rehearsal. Christine Thatcher is the director, and she's just fantastic. She she creates in rehearsal very collaborative very creative, very comfortable environment. All the actors are inventing. They're trying different business. Um, and she just lets them play. We we got to a point today in rehearsal where now we're going back, starting again at the beginning. We started rehearsal last Tuesday. And it, uh, uh, through this morning, we're, we're staging the whole show. And now we're going back. Um, and now she's she's shaping and, you know, adding more of her... Uh, her voice and direction to everybody and sort of aiming them all on the same path. But she's just been open to people just creating, you know, what's... And it's just a very creative, very funny group of people. Right. So you've written... Well, since you've written the script, um, who's your favorite character that you've come up with in this particular farce? That's hard. To be honest with you, my wife is in the play. Okay. She plays the female cop who who I describe as... uh, being uh, as determined to succeed as she seemed destined to fail. She's a complete, she's a complete klutz. <laughs> and my wife is a very funny actress. Um, I, lo- I love all the characters. There's a, there's a hit man who, again, in the kind of life and death, you know, serious situations that farce creates for the characters themselves. There's a hit man who comes in who's uh, Scottish. 
and uh, when he gets really angry, his Scottish gets so thick that you can't under and no one at character can understand anything he's saying, and he's just screaming in just complete thick brogue that. I've written out, and, and when people see the reading, they say, oh, my God, you actually wrote that out? Because it just sounds like... And he's very fun. Uh, uh, Carmen Decker is in the show, who's done a lot of sh- uh, shows at Boar's Head, and she plays a meek little old lady who turns out to be not quite so meek. There's a, there's a lot of very fun characters. Excellent. So um, when does the play open? Uh, the first performance is Wednesday, October 25th. And it runs through Sunday, November 19th. Uh, the Boar's Head schedule is Wednesday through Sundays, Wednesday through Saturday nights, and a Sunday matinee. All right. Um, so where can people find out more information about ticket information? You can go to the Boar's Head website, which is boarshead, B-O-A-R-S-H-E-A-D dot org. Uh, and there's, the play itself actually has a website, which I would love everyone at MSU to check out. Uh, it's called unnecessaryfarce.com. And if... You misspell unnecessary farce on Google because I've tried this. Actually, I haven't tried it. I've managed to misspell my own title. It'll ask you if you mean unnecessary force. But then at least you'll know how to spell unnecessary, which uh, I never managed to get right. And that's the important thing. That is, yes. <laughs> but you don't want unnecessaryforce.com. Although I should try that. I should see what unnecessaryforce.com is. But oh, it's not my play. Yeah. Well, and but it, you don't want to misguide people no. to, to something else. Right. Yeah. No. It's just one letter off. Yep. It's like, make sure it's farce, not force. <laughs> like, you guys don't want to go to the wrong website. No, no. Um, all right. Well, excellent. Um, I wish you the best of luck. Like, Thank you. Uh, do you have, like, how are you feeling as opening night's coming? Uh, great. We're actually, we, what's wonderful, a full uh, uh, three and a half weeks of rehearsal. Um, and we've only finished week one, and we're in really good shape. Um, uh, and just at this point, it's just a matter of making it faster and faster, which is, which is, I know, what Christine is aiming to do, and that's what farces are about. Excellent. All yeah. right. Well, thank you so much, Paul, for coming on. Thanks, Melissa. We do appreciate it. And if anybody out there is interested in more uh, information about tickets, uh, you can check out the Boar's Head um, Theater website at boarshead.org. Or if you just want to find out some more information about the play, uh, or I should say farce, check out (laughs) unnecessaryfarce.com. All right. um, Coming up next on your exposure, we have Circle K here um, on your Impact 88.9 FM. You're listening to Exposure on 88.9 The Impact. At the football game, Jim shows the telltale signs of being wasted. He starts flexing for the camera. He refers to his muscles as gunboats. He screams, how's this for a halftime show? Jim streaks the field. It's easy to tell if you've had way too many to drive. But what if you've had just one too many to drive? Never underestimate just a few. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Transportation, the Ad Council, and this station. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Sunday nights, check out Sit or Spin from 8 to 10 p.m., where you can voice your opinion on what new music we play here on the Impact. Only on Impact Primetime. You're listening to Exposure on 88.9, The Impact. Phone lines are open at 432-3893. And now, back to Exposure. And we're back here with your exposure here on the Impact 88.9 FM. I'm Melissa. Um, 
here right now with Jessica and Sarah from Circle K, who are going to talk a little bit more about their organization in just a moment. But first, if you have any questions, feel free to give us a call at 432-3893. So, Jessica, Sarah, how are you guys doing tonight? Great. Yeah, pretty good. That's good to hear. Um, So tell us about Circle K. All right. Uh, Circle K, it's an international organization. It makes us really unique. Um, It's in 17 other countries and over 600 clubs, um, almost 13,000 members. It's really neat. Um, All going towards this goal to um, help other people and do community service um, and develop leadership and fellowship. Um, So that's basically what Circle K is. So um, how did you guys get involved? Um, Well, Circle K um, is part of what's called the K family, and it's around, like, in every age level. And in high school, I was involved in um, what was called Key Club, which was a community service organization geared towards high school students. And then when I came to Michigan State University, um, I wanted to be part of the college level, and so I joined Circle K. So is there a connection between Circle K and Key Club? Or or is, like, Circle K is connected to Kiwanis, or from what I hear? Yep. Um, it's really neat. There's this, not only is it an international organization, Circle K, but there's also the K family, which involves, um, you know, like Jessica said, all different ages, starting from um, the group called K Kids, it's elementary school, um, up to Kiwanis, um, which might be a little more um, heard of, and even Golden K is for um, the elderly. So. All right. So, um, like what like do you guys have any events coming up? All right. Uh yeah, we we have events going on nearly every night um of the week. We're always really busy uh, doing community service. Um one thing that's really unique uh we're having cornucopia of service which is going to be at Ferris um uh, with their Circle K and we're just going to help them with their haunted house um uh, for the children. So that'll be really neat. Um we also have a club retreat which is uh, we're going to have some leadership training for our members, and we're going to have that up in Houghton Lake. And um, we also have our induction ceremony coming up, um, which is really nice, and you get to, we get to honor all the members. And um, another really neat thing is our 24 hours of service we're going to have around the holidays and uh, do community service um, all the way through the night for 24 hours. So. So do you actually go the the entire 24 hours, like, individually, or do people, like, sign up for different time slots? A lot of people actually do the entire 24 hours. Um, During the day, we're usually out and about doing stuff, like raking leaves or shoveling or wrapping Christmas presents. And then at night, we usually um, make cards to send to nursing homes um, or cut out blankets to send to hospitals, and it's pretty cool. So when is the 24 hours of service? Um, It's going to be in December, December 2nd, I think. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so how do, um, like, students become members of Circle K on campus? Uh, to be a member, you just uh, have to come to one of our meetings. Uh, we meet every Sunday night at 7.30 on the third floor of the Union in the Lake Ontario room. And at the meetings, we just cover all the information about how to become a member. So if you're interested, um, you could just look into that. All right. Um, and, like, oh, gosh, gosh, sorry. <clears throat> Um, so what type of person is typically, like, interested in getting involved in your club? Um, it's really great. I feel like Circle K, uh, can really, you know, 
bring forth all different types of people. Um, all majors are welcome. Uh, there's you know great variety of community service we provide, um, but beyond that, we also have the aspects of leadership and fellowship. Um, so we're doing stuff, you know, if you're interested in helping the elderly or just, you know, hanging out and playing Ultimate Frisbee. Um, I think everyone can find a, something fun that they enjoy about Circle K. All right. And what's the, I guess, the thing that you guys enjoy most about Circle K? I most enjoy just the community service. We have projects going on every night of the week. Um, you could do anything from helping out little kids at a transitional housing shelter, going to Impressions 5 Children's Science Museum and playing with the kids there, going to a cat sanctuary and helping take care of sick cats, um, nursing homes and visiting with the elderly. It's just amazing, and I like trying to experience all the different service projects we do. And I guess I just am really in love with Circle K because I feel like um, the values of Circle K are really the values that I hope, um, you know, we can, I can portray in my life, you know, helping other people and just really trying to make a difference. All right. Um, is there um, somebody that they can contact or a website that people can go to to find out more information? Mm -hmm. um, we have a website that is updated every week, and it's www.msu.edu slash tilde cki. And there's everything you could ever want to know about the club is pretty much on the website, as well as all the contact information for people who know more about the club. All right. Well, I want to thank you both for coming on to our show tonight. Um, it does appear that we're running out of time, and we do have a progressive torch and twang coming up. But thank you so much for coming on and talking about Circle K. Yeah, thank you for having us. Yes, thank you. All right. Well, coming up after Exposure, we do have progressive torch and twang here on your Impact 88.9 FM. Thanks for listening to this evening's Exposure, only on 88.9 The Impact.